there, folks. My name is Emily. And my name is Elt. And we are Oh My Word, a podcast where we discuss books, movies, musicals, TV shows, etc., and share the content with you so that you can be a more informed consumer about what you are consuming. Exactly. And then we take everything we've seen and everything we've read, and we smuggle it all down to our secret basement. And then we put it, we bring it to the secret room that's behind another secret door in another secret room behind a second secret door. And in there, we have the much, the highly coveted, highly regarded, highly secret in the way it works, pearl clutching scales. <laughs> yes. Well, I was going to say they're secret, but we keep talking about them. So they're not so secret anymore. But our pearl sure. clutching scales we use for violence, language, and romance. We have... Okay, we have these tongs that are like at least a yard long because you can't get too close to the close to the pearl clutching scales or just it's bad news. It's bad news. It's not it's not a very stable just because of how highly scientific everything is. It's it's a very delicate balance and they're yes. very very sensitive. They're very very sensitive. So there are procedures is all I'm trying to say. So for violence language and romance, we use our scales to see is this from 0 to 4, 0 being Nothing. No, Clean. no gratuitous violence, language, or romance. And four being there's a lot of stuff going on here. Consumers pay attention. Exactly. I just astounded everyone with the description of the pearl clutching scales, which I know is very impressive. And that was not even a quarter of what even goes on because we haven't actually even described what they look like yet. But that's part, that's, it's, it's confidential. You need clearance for that. That's true. It's a very complicated process, but rest assured that we do it all for you in the never-ending quest to find and promote clean content. And we're not talking about just stuff that's meant for two-year-olds. There can be stuff that's meant for adults and people of all ages that is clean. And I would argue that the book we're talking about today, though ostensibly a children's book, is something that can be enjoyed by people of all ages. In fact, Elk just enjoyed it for the first time because she literally has been living under a rock, apparently, and missed this book, which is so up her alley. But even though it is written for children, it is written in a style that is accessible for and interesting to a variety of ages. And that book, dear listeners and friends, is The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster, illustrated by Jules Pfeiffer, and published originally in 1961. Which, by the way, before we get into the summary of it, I think the fact that it's an older book is part of the reason why it has a wider age range appeal. Partially because the whole idea of even having like media specifically for youth was kind of new. Right? We talk about the 50s and how teen culture was new, but I think that's similar to kids. Not that there weren't books before that, The Wizard of Oz, Peter and Wendy. There were things specifically for kids, but because it wasn't... It's not like today when there are you know so many different channels and so many different publishers that you can have not just for kids and adults, but you can have tweens and teens. There's something really for every age. And for kids, it's zero to six months, and you can have something for three to five-year-olds and seven to nine-year-olds. You know, it's very specific, but... In the past, people didn't have as much time. You think of, like, I Love Lucy. Families were sitting down to watch I Love Lucy. It wasn't like the parents watched I Love Lucy and the kids went to watch Howdy Doody. I mean, they the kids also watched Howdy Doody, but, like, families did things together. And I wonder, I've heard more about that when it comes to TV, 
but I wonder if books don't fall under the same, uh, like the same thing was happening with books because maybe the whole idea of kids' books were kind of new. And I also, I think we've talked about this before when we talked about older children's literature like Knight's Castle, which is actually from earlier. I think it's from 1953, but it's around the same time that authors didn't write down to kids. They wrote the stories they wanted to tell. They might have changed the language a little bit, so they weren't using words that kids wouldn't understand, but I think also they put in words and expected kids to rise to the occasion of figuring out what the words meant in context or going to a dictionary, whereas today, some kids' TV shows and books are really, really simple because kids are simple. Instead of like asking them to rise up, we just meet them where they are. Yeah. Well, you do have both. I mean, you should say that there is a big discussion, especially with picture book writers about, mm-hmm. and I've spoken, and I've spoken to authors about this. You know, you're writing for such a young age. What do you do about your word choice? Do you pick the mm-hmm. larger word? Well, we'd call, you know, the word with more syllables. There's got to be an easier right. way to describe it. Do you choose the word with more syllables if the kid doesn't know what it is? And a kid, not even a kid to be expected, like they don't know what it is. So right. a lot of them will say that because a picture book is usually read by a parent or by an adult to a child, you can you can put in more big syllable words there because the adult is there to give the definition to the child. Mm. Versus when they okay. a chapter book, a kid's reading that usually on their own, right? This is the first mm. book that they can read by themselves. So you might you may or you not you, you may or may not like think twice about it. But interesting. Yeah. You do have there is a distinctiveness, definitely, even now, and you know, a lot of writers, it, you know, it even goes with the teen fiction, right? Do we write to the teen or do you want to write, or, you know, or do you want to write, I want to say above the teen, but, you know, I'm right, I'm speaking your language right now, or I want to speak a language for you to aspire to. And that can be mm. with any sort of plot or anything. So right. people choose, you know, pick, people pick and choose, but you, I definitely think that some of the distinctiveness that we see in some of the classics, certain just aspects of the writing and stuff like that. I don't know that it's as common today, but you know, maybe there were also a bunch of books then that were not that didn't make it. So that's true. Probably not as many. We definitely have more today, but yeah. And it could be that people just in general spoke differently then than we do today. So things that seem like they're writing in a particular way. It's not that they were writing in a particular style. That's just what they were used to. All of that to say that the Phantom Tollbooth can be enjoyed by people of all ages, whether you are a kid reading it for the first time, an adult reading it for the first time, or an adult reading it to a young person. It's enjoyable. So The Phantom Tollbooth is about Milo. And Milo is a boy who's bored with life, and he goes through his days without paying much attention to his surroundings. And one day, a mysterious tollbooth arrives in his room and takes him on an adventure through a magical world of words and numbers, which opens his eyes to the world around him. Scale-wise, it's a zero. Zero violence, zero language, zero romance. I mean, this is, if there's ever a clean read, this is it right here. It's not only is it clean, but it's also good, which makes it doubly fun to recommend. And clever, which makes it a hundred times more fun to recommend. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I did not, I always knew this book existed. I don't know why I never read it until now. And because uh, also once I read it, I was like, why have I not read this until now? I've <laughs> always known this book existed. It is older than I am. Where have I been? I don't know. Okay. Well, under a rock, as Emily already said, but it's, it just nails it. Like it just gets so many things. It's not just that it's the clean book. It na- it gets so many things right. But I want to sidetrack for one second. 
I saw yeah. an article recently about should we be calling things clean reads? Because that suggests a dirtiness huh. to da-da-da, whatever. And they were saying it was specifically about romance. Like, maybe we should call it closed-door romance or blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't. I read the article and then I was like, okay, whatever. But <laughs> you can see how much I cared about it. I was like, I hear the point you're trying to make. And it's not because, uh, you know, we use the word dirty and people might think, like, oh, it's unclean. But when we try to start substituting euphemisms, you know, that sometimes what it does, which is probably also the intent, is it mitigates kind of the the I don't want to say the lines, but I guess you could say the lines that we draw for ourselves, right? So sometimes we have to use certain kind of language to to just show that we're really trying to steer away from something. Anyway, back to this though. This was so good. Everyone should have this book on their shelves. Everyone, all yes. the time. Also, look. The entire thing, I mean, you do have the little moment of, like, the lesson sort of thing. You know, you do have a little lesson moment. It's not big. It's not overly done, which is very good. Very, very fast-paced. Not very, pretty fast-paced, I should say. As in, you know, the, we know a few paragraphs to tell us that Milo's bored with life. Da-da-da. One day he comes, there's a toll booth. There's no exploration, there's no whatever. He sets up the toll booth and he goes. Right? Right. That's it. Just get the story moving. So you definitely have a good pacing going, and I just the the wordplay on this is is it's fabulous. Like we're going to the kingdom of wisdom is falling apart because rhyme and reason have been banished. Like the princesses, rhyme and reason have been banished. Right. So that's why the kingdom is falling apart. And you're like, I see what you're doing here, right? So that's why also as an adult, you read it and and you get a, a kid could definitely get it, but as an adult, it's more of an appreciation of the actual wordplay that's going on. You know, the story is the story to you. The kid could be more wrapped up in the story maybe than the adult, but the adult can, it's a great appreciation. It's like when you watch the, something that has a twist ending and you already know what the ending is, right? So instead you could you watch it to see how they actually set up the twist. Cause the first time you're kind of, you didn't really know what to look for, but the second time, right? It's like anybody who watches usual suspects again. Anyway, oh, I wish you'd talk about it one time. But the maybe point is, <laughs> yeah. The point is, so as an adult reading it, you can appreciate what's being done. You have a greater appreciation mm. for it. Or like, one, uh, all of a sudden, you know, Milo shows up on the island of, island of conclusions. How did I get here? Well, you get here by jumping, <laughs> right? You jump right. to conclusions. Oh, that's so clever. Oh, you're so smart. My favorite, favorite line from the entire book, and there's a lot, because also at first he's in the place where they, they care about words, right? It's about words, and he goes to the other kingdom, Right. And everything's about numbers. So you get, it's also very smart to take us out of the one part of the wordplay and move us to the number wordplay. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's showing us both the mathematics and I guess you could say linguistics kind of, but my favorite, favorite. Okay. My favorite is there's one part where he shows up like at the edge of this, this city, you know, the great capital city or whatever it is. And, uh, there's like the Duke, the Earl, whatever. There's like these four noblemen who like show up and they show up, they have this car. And they get, Milo goes, they go into the car and he's like, how do we drive this thing? And he says, we well, have to be quiet because it goes without saying. And then everybody fell silent <laughs> and the car took them to the, to the palace. I read that. I don't even, probably 17 times I read that line. I was like, oh, that was so clever. That, cause everything else is clever. And I see we did the wordplay there, you know, jump to the island of conclusions. I didn't think of that, about that. I see exactly that. But for it goes without saying, that is, I, you know, I'm still thinking about it. It's genius. <laughs> it's not just clever. It's absolute genius. So yeah, you could like the entire. I was delighting in all of it. He just, he just, they just nailed it. They just got it. And it's all about, um, you know, how is Milo? Who's so he's he's a kid and he's so bored with life. It's because he's not caring, right? So they're trying to like, come on, be a thinker. You know, be an explorer. Be someone who questions and asks and and you know learns and studies, right? And be involved. 
yeah, be involved, be part of life, right? So it's so, oh man, it's so good. It's so good. And there's no, and like, I don't know what, I don't even know the personal stories of each person to this. Maybe if I did know the personal story of the author, the illustrator, would that change anything or not? I don't know. And you know what? I don't care. The book got it so many things right. So, and yes. I didn't feel like it was coming from anywhere besides for children because, you know, learn the world, you know, learn about the world. Great. I love it. Perfect message. <laughs> yeah. There's that. I mean, there's a little bit of commentary on the fast pace of modern life, which is interesting to think about because he's commenting on the fast pace of modern life in 1961. He talks about how people like don't look at their surroundings because they just walk so fast wherever they're going. And if that was written today, it would be they walk so fast wherever they're going with their heads buried in their cell phones. Right. So it's still applicable. But look, it's not like books. We've talked about this before. Authors have messages. Authors have themes and ideas they want to share. So it's not like books can't have it. But this is one which basically... Other than the commentary on the fast pace of modern life and how people don't connect, it's about the importance of education, right? Milo, like you said, is supposed to be more involved, more interested. It's not exactly a controversial topic, I don't think. So it's there. And like, in some ways, I guess it's a little bit heavy handed, but it's not, it's just, it's not controversial. Like who's going to tell a kid, no, don't be interested in the world around you. And it's so, and it's so much fun anyway. Yeah. Well, so that's probably also, by the way, the commentary about the fast pace of modern life and everyone's just moving so fast, that's where he has the one city where it's like the whole city disappeared, but everyone's still running back and forth because they're so busy. Right. But I don't know what the city's called, but it's something like that. And also you would hope that for a child reading it, so much would seem ridiculous to them. Like, why are you moving? You're going in and out of doors that don't exist because you didn't even notice the city's not there anymore because you're so busy right now. You hope that a, ch- right. you know, a child could get that and say, well, this is ridiculous, right? And that's kind of part of it, right? You are kind of exaggerating we would like to think that even with everybody's heads in their phone, would they notice, you know, if the city's not there anymore? We hope people would. We don't know. But a child could definitely catch on to that right away. But part of also the, the faster pace of the story or the aim for being a younger reader is that he can move through even his messaging that he doesn't sit on too much. He puts it in there, but it's also moved through pretty quickly. So whether or not you like the kind of commentary you put in there, he's not going to sit on it for, for 15 pages because we're on to the next thing now. So that is something good for the pacing where he does, you know, even when they have the punchline of, you know, never lose where I'm in reason and, 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 you know, that kind of things. And you could do and you can be and whatever. It's a, it's a couple, it's maybe a couple sentences, you know, cause then, cause the story's, it's a short book. It's got to keep going. But if you haven't read it, just go, just go and get it. And if you have read it and it's been a while, pick it up again. And it's, it's so delightful. It's so good. <laughs> That's what I did. I picked it up again because Elle said she read it, wanted to talk about it, and it had been a while. And as with anything, when you read it again, I don't remember what this time hit, struck me that I never caught on to. Oh, I think it was when they're in the um, Mountains of Ignorance right. and the names of all the different monsters and how one of them is like terrible trivium. And then they're, they're monsters of, again, it's like a commentary on lack of education, on the fast pace of modern life, but they're... Everything is so smart, but you're right. Because of the pacing and because it's still a good story, it comes out as a good story, which makes it easier to enjoy and appreciate the message as opposed to something that's just right. a preach with a bad story. Right. Well, they have in the Mountains of Ignorance, there's the one demon. Well, you have the bird snatcher who takes the words right out of your mouth or something like that. Right. And then there's there's the demon. I forgot what he's called, but he's like a demon of busy tasks, right? You have something important right. to do, but I'm going to help you. 
But instead, I have a lot of little things for you to do first, right? Move this mountain, move this pile of sand with a spoon or something, or with tweezers, I think it is. Yes. Right? And even, so as a kid, you're like, oh, that, whatever. But as an adult, you're like, huh, I kind of do that sometimes, right? If I have a big yep. task I don't want to tackle, I'll, I need to fold laundry, you know? I'll exactly. Like, I, but I didn't, did I have the dishes washed? Let me double check. Like, all of a sudden, you're so into washing dishes magically, you know? Totally. The joke is that it is, and especially as an adult, you could, especially when it, well, for all of it, but definitely for the mountains of ignorance, and you see the different demons there. I don't, again, now that you're saying that also, I kind of blanked out on what the other names are. But a lot of it is like, you know, the demon of the person, like, the demons are the ones that don't want to listen to other people or the ones that, you know, have cloud, well, I guess the same thing, like, um, like myopic vision, you know, that they're not the demons of assumptions or something like that. It's all that kind of stuff, which even if you don't want to hear it, like you can't deny the truth of it, that all these things could lead someone to, you know, to blocking rhyme and reason kind of. Now, I, you know, there's absolutes. It doesn't go into, I don't think it goes into emotions too much. It does a little bit with like, you know, if we want certain things, it, it, whatever, but it's, it's not specifically about emotions, this book. It's more about, right. like, stays more on the intellectual thing. One thing I had a question with is I wonder, like, the first place he gets to is, are the doldrums. And I was wondering if kids know what that is. But maybe that's a way for them, like, cause I, we don't really use that word anymore, do we? But I guess that's a way for them to go, go look it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> or probably they read the book, let's say they read it when they're nine. And they think the doldrums is just a made-up place. And at some point, they're going to come across the word the doldrums right. in a book and realize, wait, did they get this from Norton? Is this a real word? I'm sure that happened for a lot of people. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Did we recommend this book highly enough yet? I don't know if we did, but we do. I don't, I don't I know do. if we made it clear. Yeah. <laughs> in case we didn't make it clear, we highly recommend it. More more like this, right? Exactly. Clean stuff. Well, you, we're going to use the word clean. I don't care. We're going to use the word clean. Clean and pearl clutter friendly. Yes. Our pearls appreciate when we read a book like this because they don't get smushed. <laughs> we clutch the pearls in delight, not in anger or horror or any of the other negative emotions that may exist in the mountains of ignorance and or whatever the other word would be. <laughs> mountains of exactly. horror for us. Yeah. So I guess we'll be back soon with more stuff not this clean sadly it never is but we're on the hunt if you know something this clean that's not just meant for two-year-olds please let us know because we'd really appreciate it until then thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time cheers people oh my word podcast is brought to you by the pearl clutching basement dwellers at oh my word follow us on instagram for updates at oh my word podcast or like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for full episode notes and detail visit eltenabom.com music is by tim burke see you next time